kind of fun going old school a little bit this morning, going analog. Uh, you guys enjoy having your hymnals uh, this morning and not too, too, many page, uh, too much page flipping having to go on or anything like that. Nice and light on the hand, and uh, so that's nice. Uh, but it's great to, uh, uh, great to be worshiping, and it's great to kind of be reminded that even though we get used to, you know, some other conveniences and, and modern things that, you know what, we don't, we don't need no stinking projector light bulb, you know, uh, to be able to worship and know, and know what's important, what matters. Um, I've mentioned this before, but when it came to me and my sister growing up for Christmas, uh, our Christmas day was on Christmas Eve. Because on Christmas Day, we went and spent time with our family. And Christmas Eve, you know, it was all the exciting stuff. You didn't, weren't really sure what was going to happen or, you know, if there were presents under the tree, you know, what you were going to get, that kind of thing. So a little bit of the unexpected for how that day was going to go. But Christmas Day, I knew exactly what was going to happen. We're going to three houses. You're going to eat at all three places. I was going to see my mom's uh, parents uh, on Saturday. On the, well, it matter, I don't know what day it was, but on that Christmas Day morning, for some reason, I want it to be a Saturday, I guess. On that Christmas Day morning, we're going to go there. We're going to have a big breakfast, fried oysters. We're going to be a part of it. So that was a family tradition. We knew we were doing that. We knew we were going to my dad's parents right after that. There's going to be food there. You're going to have to eat as well. And then at the end of the day, we go to our great-grandmother's house. And my great-grandmother, she was one of the sweetest, um, just uh, diminutive you know, women that, that, that I know, and, and you just did not turn down food when you went to her house. If you came in, oh, we're full, you know, we already had a couple, you know, massive meals, she'd kind of look at you and, are you sure? And you're like, you know what? I wasn't sure. Yes, I, I, I do want to eat uh, two plates and lots of chocolate cake, and that, that sounds amazing. But we knew exactly what that experience was going to be like every year, every single time. It was the same exact thing, and I never once ever got bored with that, because the one thing that I knew was always going to be there when we went was love. Like, categorically across the board, we, we knew what the experience was going to be like. And, and I get, like, part of the anticipation and excitement of Christmas is kind of, oh, you don't know, you know, what'd you get me? Nothing, you know, this year. Um, you know, what, what am I going to open up under the tree? You know, those kinds of things. And, and that can be fun, that can be exciting, that kind of anticipation. Um, but there's something, there's something about knowing exactly what you're going to get. You know what the experience is going to be like because the people that you're going to see, the people that you're spending time with, you just know that you're going you're gonna to be loved. I don't remember, you know, every detail of what happened at every place. I don't remember what my grandparents got me or anything like that. I knew I was going to get a book from great-grandma, uh, but I will never forget how I felt and was treated by each of those special people in my life. And as much as Christmas is a time for family and celebrating and joy and hope and peace, it is about the giving and receiving of love. And if you took everything else away, projector bulbs, Christmas lights, the food, the music, the gifts, the tradition, and had at least that one thing, if you had at least love, it would still be an entire season worth celebrating. You can endure a lot of the nights before in life when you have love. You can face the unknown. You can bravely face another Monday to come. We can deal with anything that we come across with and understand the unshakable foundation that love provides gives us everything that we need. Love is what Christmas is all about. And, and maybe that seems a, a little overly simplistic to say, but when you think about the events of how Christmas and celebrating the birth of Jesus has come about, the immensity and depth of love that is represented in this story is astonishing. 
So you think all the way back to the beginning, from the beginning of all eternity, back before this world existed, before time existed, before there was anything, there was the Father and there was the Son. And they had always been closer than we could ever understand. They're so close that the two of them are actually one, along with the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. And for all eternity, they have not only been close, but they have loved each other and provided that community, that representative representation of what we're supposed to experience with God and with one another. The father loved his son like no father has ever loved their child, and the son loved his father like no child has ever loved a parent. There's a closeness, a deep sharing of all they were and all they had. It was an uninterrupted and perfect oneness. And then Christmas came, and all of that changed. I, I don't know how you are about goodbyes with people. There's some goodbyes that I, I'm uh, not looking forward to as my kids get older. Um, I think about uh, our kids going off to college. I, you know, I think about them, them gradu- hopefully graduating high school and, and hopefully going away. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I would, I would love for them uh, to, to be with us uh, for forever. Uh, maybe not forever. I don't know. Renee and I will talk about that. She's shaking her head no, so maybe, maybe not that long. Um, but I, I, can't, I, can't imagine, I can't imagine those goodbyes, you know, th- those transitions, those deep changes, you know, going off to college or if, uh, if my kids, you know, choose to get married, you know, that, uh, that whole, I'm going to stop talking about that kind of stuff right now, actually. Um, knowing that they'll never live in our house quite the same way, never quite being around as much as they were. Like, I'm, there's some of that I'm like, some of it I'm looking forward to, I'm not going to lie, but some of it, like, I know, I know it's going to be a tough change. Can you imagine the father saying goodbye to the son as he left to go be born on the earth as a human? Like I, if, if you can just kind of put, put yourself just a little bit in, in the shoes of that, the nature of change that that relationship has to go through because of what Jesus did for us. Um, these two who had never known separation of any kind, who had loved each other beyond comprehension from all eternity. And, and just think about the sense of loss that existed, how painful it must have been, um, how heartbreaking that experience would be for us, even though they knew eventually they would be reunited. Again, Christmas is a love story. It's about the love of a father and a son saying goodbye for the very first time, giving up something of what they had so that we could have the chance to have it too. It's a love story in which the love wasn't just kept to themselves, but they gave it away to the entire world. So it's a love story of a difficult goodbye, probably the most difficult goodbyes in the history of love. But God followed through with this goodbye because love is meant to be shared. But it's not just a love story between a father and the son. It's also a love story between a mother and a son. Um, you, you know about this. You know about Mary being the mother of Jesus. This is in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. Here, here are all these, these things that God, um, that God had in relationship with the Son that he gives and gifts to a young woman who gave her all to the Son of God. This is in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, normally we'd have the words on the screen, but this morning you could actually open up your Bibles if you, if you wanted to. Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. All kinds of, all kinds of, I mean, we're used, more used to this story, I, I guess, but there's all kinds of crazy things that are happening here. Um, in verse 29, you know, Gabriel comes to her and says, hey, what's up? How's it going? And she's like, oh boy, this is going to be crazy. In verse 29, she's kind of thinking, what kind of greeting is this going to be? Because she, she knows a little bit about, about her Old Testament. She knows when an angel shows up, things are going to change. I mean, things are going to be different than they've ever been before. And, uh, and, and I always love, I, I say this, I think, every time, but I always love when the angel tells whoever they're talking about, do not be afraid. You know, like, hey, uh, you know, out of, out of nowhere, don't, don't be afraid. And it's just classic, you know, verse 30. And Mary was thinking, I was afraid you were going to say that. You know, and, and I think by the time you get down to verse 34, I think there's probably, you know, how will this be? How is all this going to happen? There's probably going to be a long pause before Mary's question. As Gabriel is explaining this, I'm sure Mary is blown away by the information and its delivery. But what the angel is describing to Mary and what God is asking her to do, all this, all this is terrible timing. I mean, this is not the right time for her life. She's betrothed to Joseph, but they've got a while before they're married and before they're supposed to consummate the marriage. And since Luke, who's, who's the author, is a physician, he writes... Mary's response is, how will this be since I have not known a man? Which, you know, she's saying, this, this is biologically, this is not something that can be possible or happen. And Gabriel lets Mary, hey, none of this is going to happen the way that you expect. It's not going to be conventional. Uh, there's no explanation. You know, he's expecting Mary to take this on faith. Um, and, and yet, you know, you, you, find, you find this person, young, uh, maybe a teenager at this point in her life, and, and, you, and you see the situation that she's asked to take on, and at some point you've got to ask yourself, why? Why, why Mary? Out of, all, out of all the people, out of all the women who have existed in the history of the world, why did, why did God pick her? I mean, this is a monumental task that God is asking her to take on. This is a huge responsibility. You know, there's, there's some... There's, some weird theologies that come out of this, particularly concerning Mary, that, you know, Mary was perfect, and that's why. No, Mary wasn't perfect. She wasn't without sin in her life. Um, Mary, you know, Joseph and Mary would later on uh, go on to have six, at least six other kids uh, together. I mean, she, she had a family that she was going to be starting, and yet God asked her to expand her family into something much greater than she ever expected or most of us would even want to take on in our lives. But God chose Mary for this task because of one thing. And this is, this is hang, hang with me here, right? Because I don't have a Bible verse for this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the case. Because God knew that Mary would love, her son, love his son. God, God knew that, that Mary would have the faith, would follow through, and if nothing else, would love Jesus. I mean, let's, let's think about it. It's, it's not like Mary needed an instruction manual like everybody else gets with their kid, right? And every kid is the same, and, and everybody, if we, we just teach our kids the same thing, discipline them the same way, and, um, you know, everybody just follow, follows suit, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Uh, there could be a lot of pressure that you feel in that, right? You know, hey, um, not only are you going to have a kid, uh, but you're going to be raising the Son of God, so good luck with that. 
a little bit of pressure there, a lot of questions, but there's a lot of simplicity in this too. Because I'm convinced that the reason that God chose Mary is because he knew she would faithfully love his son. Not only would she love him as her, her own, but she would also love him later on in life as her savior. This simple monumental task that would require Mary to increase her capacity for love in a scenario she didn't plan for and a plan she didn't fully understand came about because she was willing to love. Later, her response to Gabriel in all of this, this is uh, in Luke chapter 1, verses 36, so this is after the chunk that we just read. Even Elizabeth, we talked about Elizabeth and John the Baptist. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And this is, this is, uh, this is Mary's response. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary's capacity for love was expanded in her life because of her capacity for faith. Christmas is a love story. It's the love story of a mother and a son that began not only in the joy and physical pain of childbirth like everyone else, but the pain in a mother's heart knowing that her son was born not, not just to be happy, not to just go to college and start a career or get married and have grandkids. Uh, Christmas is a love story about a love between a mother and a son that would begin both in joy and immense pain. The pain of knowing his life would lead to a painful death. And if you have a child that you know is going to have to suffer or had to watch suffer, not, not many of us would choose that calling. We, we need a larger faith in order to have that kind of capacity for love. And can you imagine, can you imagine Mary? I mean, even when she and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, um, there was a, a, a gentleman named Simeon who had been working in the temple for a long time, and he looks at the baby and says, this child is, has a destiny to cause the rising and the falling of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And I'm sure Mary was like, yeah, nice, thanks, thanks for that. That's a, that's a really pleasant thought. I appreciate that. That's a whole lifetime of twas the night befores in the waiting and to not necessarily know exactly what's coming. And what are we going to do in the meantime when we have that anticipation, that expectation of something's about to happen, the ball's about to drop at some point? And what do we do about this other than what we can do and what Mary does? It's consistently and faithfully loving Jesus. God, who sends his son, who's to be honored and worshiped as holy, to be born as a human being through a girl who was in her, in her early teens, who had no social or economic standing, and an unwed pregnancy, but because of her willingness to be faithful to God's call in her life, she received God's best for her and for the world. That capacity of faith that she lived out in her life made, made an incredible impact of love in the world. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, at that time, Mary, this is after Gabriel's talked to her, got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she 
who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Over the next 33 years, Mary would believe that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And as she did so, her understanding of what real love looks like and her capacity for giving and receiving that love grew. And so I, I just, out of all the things that Mary experiences and what she models and what she lives out, the reason why I think God chose Mary to raise his son um, and the type of love that we're meant to anticipate because of the events of Christmas, uh, the, you know, what she embodies and I think what we're called to embody, not just this time of year, but all times of year, because of the love that God shares with us through Jesus, is she trusted that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. As you consistently read through, as you read through the text consistently, Mary says, okay, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to believe that God is going to make his promises true. Uh, Mary opened herself up in vulnerability. She trusted that God, she, she, she expanded her capacity for faith. She was also vulnerable with her entire life with God. Yes, I'm going to allow myself to be put in a situation that I would not choose for myself. And that people are going to have a lot of opinions about, a lot of things to have to say about it. And yet Mary was willing to open herself uh, to the possibility that it wouldn't be the most comfortable situation that she ever found herself. And the final thing is that Mary was willing to sacrifice what she wanted for what God's best was in her life. And when we have the type of trust and when we have the type of vulnerability and the type of self-sacrifice, not only in just our relationships with God, but in our relationships with each other, we start to experience and share and give and receive the type of love that God created us for from the very beginning. The type of love that he um, put to the side so that we could experience it as well. And this is the type of love that Christmas is all about. There's another Twas the Night Before Christmas poem that I want to read from you. And this one, Mary wrote. This is in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary says this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. When you think of Christmas as a love story between the father and the son and between a mother and her boy and how Christmas starts out with this son leaving his father, breaking his heart in the process, and coming down to die, breaking his mother, mother's heart in the process. I mean, love, love, uh, love, sometimes it can be painful, but man, is it worth it. Man, does it change everything. We are the reason that Jesus left his father. We are the reason Jesus left his mother to die on a cross. Because Christmas isn't just a love story between the father and a son and between a mother and a son, but also between the creator and his creation. It's a love that's strong enough to sustain us through all the nights be night befores and powerful enough for us to be able to have enough to share. One of the disciples of Jesus who was closest to him, who refers to himself as the beloved disciple, in John, 1, 1 John 3, 16 through 18, writes this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? 
Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And my encouragement to you is when you are in the waiting, when you're in the anticipation of what's to come, when you're in the night before and you're not really sure what's coming, coming next, make sure to choose love. Because there are a lot of things that could harden our hearts for that. There are a lot of experiences in life. There's a lot of uh, expectations. There's a lot of uh, distractions that, that could come and make us forget uh, that, that we're called to lead with that. And when we open ourselves to trust and vulnerability and self-sacrifices and our relationship with God and our relationships with one another, man, we, we get to share what this season is really all about. And it's, it's, a, it's a love story between a father and a son, a mother and a son, creator and his creation. It's what our life comes down to, is this expression of love that God sent Jesus because he loves you. And Jesus willingly laid down his life because he loves you. So may, may we share, may we share that, that story this Christmas together. Let's pray. God, thank you um, for just the immense depth of, of, of love that you share with us by Jesus coming and not only just being born, uh, but living and dying and resurrecting so that we could be redeemed to you to the love that you created us for. God, we praise you for this. We glorify you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.